You are listening to Andy Zanka Youth Empowerment Program at KDNK Community Radio. This is My Own Two Hands, a monthly collaboration between AZYEP and Colorado Mountain College's Sustainability Studies Program. On the show, we talk with current students, alumni, professors, and experts in the field of sustainability. We tackle big issues in the world of sustainability, climate, and resilience while focusing on community-based solutions. During last month's show, you heard Adele Craft talking with two students, Ava and Sheen, about farming and local food systems. Did you know that AZYEP now has a podcast feed? You can go back and listen to any episode of My Own Two Hands and other AZYEP shows that you missed on your favorite podcast provider. I'm Sierra. And I'm Camden. We are both majoring in sustainability studies at Colorado Mountain College in Steamboat Springs. We share a love for rivers and a passion for the recreation possible on them. I began my first season of rafting last summer in my home state of Alaska and will be continuing my work as a guide this summer in Browns Canyon. Spending time on rivers has given me a connection with the natural world and opened up many possibilities for me to make the world a better place. I'm Camden and my love for the rivers comes from my love for fly fishing. I've been fishing for as long as I can remember, mostly in my home state of Pennsylvania. As I've gotten older, I've realized the importance of the water flow and not taking it for granted each day I'm out there. On this month's show, we will be talking about water in the West, focusing on the Colorado River Basin. The story of America's complex relationship with water begins with John Wesley Powell, a one-armed Civil War veteran and geologist who was tasked with leading a 900-mile expedition to scope out possible water sources for the expanding U.S. population. His journey extended from the Green River down through the Grand Canyon to the confluence of the Virgin River. This journey took place on four wooden rowboats and began on May 24, 1869. Before the 10-person crew reached the mouth of the Grand Canyon, one crew member abandoned the mission and one of the four boats was damaged beyond repair. The Grand Canyon section of their journey was filled with mishaps and misfortune, damaged boats, spoiled food, torrential rain, and lost maps, coupled with the largest and most dangerous rapids anyone has ever seen. Making the journey ever more harrowing, three more crew members abandoned the mission when faced with separation rapid, choosing to walk out 75 miles instead of running the terrifying whitewater. The remaining six men miraculously survived the tell the tale. Finally, taking their battered boats out of the water on August 29, 1869. Nine years later, John Wesley Powell published his report on the lands of the arid region, where he proposed communities to be situated close to mountain-fed streams and reliable water sources, where sustainable and small-scale agricultural communities could be the most resilient and self-sufficient. Despite this educated proposal, Congress launched a century-long plan to build massive canals and dams to fuel westward expansion just three months before Powell's death. Lake Powell and Mead were constructed to bring water to settlements we now know as Phoenix, Las Vegas, LA, and the surrounding communities. This brings us to the present, a present where these two reservoirs have reached the lowest water levels since their creation. The Colorado River has lost 20% of its water in the last 20 years and no longer reaches the ocean as it once did. Surrounding tributaries are beginning to experience similar water losses 
So today we are here to find out more. What do these changes look like in our local area? How is this affecting wildlife and human communities? What, if anything, can we do? Though most of our listeners are tuning in from the Roaring Fork Valley, Camden and I both currently call Steamboat Springs our home. We are lucky enough to have the Yampa River right in our backyards, one of the last free-flowing rivers in Colorado. Though the Yampa is special to us, it is similar to many rivers within communities all across the western slope of Colorado. The lessons learned from our talk with water experts in Steamboat can be applied to many of the other tributaries on the western slope that drain into the Colorado River. To learn more about water in the Yampa Valley and to answer some of the questions, we have invited Madison Muxworthy, the Soil, Moisture, Water, and Snow Program Manager at Yampa Valley Sustainability Council, along with Ben Bell, the board president for Friends of the Yampa. Thank you so much for joining us on today's show. To begin the show, can you please tell us a little bit about yourselves and your relationship to water? My name is Ben Bell. I grew up in the Yampa Valley and um, then found myself uh, studying civil engineering in college and then back to the Yampa Valley to work professionally as a, as a civil engineer. And it's impossible to work in the field, especially when you're involved with local government and not touch on water use, water rights, the quality of water, and then from there gain understanding of the complexities of water in the West. And then the fact that I'm a lifelong river advocate, river runner, have spent tons of time on the, on the banks of rivers, uh, enjoying the solace and, and beauty that they, that they provide to us in our communities, has driven me to uh, volunteer and get involved with Friends of the Yampa. And then uh, to become vice president and then president of the board has been an incredible joy. And we are so fortunate to have organizations such as you have Valley Sustainability Council and Friends of the Yampa to support, advocate for, and protect our rivers in the Yampa Valley. And, and also the tributaries, because I think oftentimes we think of just the Yampa River, but the creeks that flow into the Yampa River are the Yampa River. It is a system, uh, and, and that's something that we should keep in mind. And my name is Madison Muxworthy, and I'm the Soil Moisture, Water, and Snow Program Manager at Yampa Valley Sustainability Council. Um, I've been with the organization for three years now, and this is a relatively new position that we created a couple of years ago. And I would say that I've been very passionate about water my whole life. I was a ski racer growing up um, in the East Coast, and that actually drove me out to Steamboat Springs, Colorado, where I went to Colorado Mountain College and graduated with a sustainability studies bachelor's. And so Throughout that, I've just been very passionate about water, um, and I would say that I, I see the impacts of climate change in our water systems, um, and so that's been very real for me on a personal note and really drives my passion to um, do this work every day. What inspired you or kind of like led you guys to your careers in sustainability, conservation, and water? I was very passionate about water um, just from seeing all of the impacts of it on a personal note. And so that has really driven me to have a deep connection to water, specifically in the Yampa Valley, because I was a ski racer here. Um, and then, of course, just living here, appreciating our waterways that we have, like the Yampa River um, and our tributaries. And so I would just say that it's a, a deep passion for me. Right. It's hard to imagine 
um, a world or even like steamboat without water like that it's like would be a completely different place and yeah and, and I guess what what drives me and, and is the passion behind the work that I do both professionally and with friends of the Yampa is that we as humans have an impact just by uh, existing and um, we we draw toward the rivers and we and we build uh, in areas that cause an impact to our watersheds and so being involved in order to try to offset some of that and or manage some of that impact is really what drives me in getting involved and thinking about that conservation minded approach to the way that we interact with our environment and how and the impacts that we can have with water of course we can overmanage we need to give our rivers room uh, when we can to be rivers and and not get so involved in the way that it flows or the the things that we do to overthink things and and maybe put our rivers in boxes whether it's a river or a riparian area or anything like that how can we touch it as little as possible and then uh, let it be what it needs to be and wants to be. And do you have any advice you would give current students going into the sustainability or environmentally like focused careers? I think that the biggest advice that I would have is to really try to hone in um, on what you're passionate about. I think that it's easy to get kind of caught up in all of the issues because there are so many issues in the environmental field or sustainability field that you could focus on. And so if you can find a passion area that really lights your fire, it might help you along the path. Um, And another thing as well, too, is I think it's great to have local internships and things like that while you're in college. That's something that I really strive for. And um, specifically at Colorado Mountain College, you know, in all of the locations there's a great community in all of these spots. And so specifically here in Steamboat Springs, we have wonderful environmental um, nonprofits and organizations in the town that um, students can intern with. So that's a great option to, to further your, your career and then also your education as well. For sure. I think, um, I don't know, definitely studying the stuff you are bombarded with a lot of the um, doom and gloom of the environmental situation today, but um, being able to work and change things, even if it's just like little by little, it's probably very inspiring. So that leads to the next question. Um, how has your work in this field kind of changed you or your outlook on the world? Yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a doom and gloom person. Um, there's a lot to be uh, gloomy about if you're reading the newspaper or you're, you know, looking at, at various studies. But what I ultimately think about are my kids and their futures, and I'm optimistic and hopeful um, that their futures will be as good, if not better, than than what I'm experiencing because of groups such as the Yampa Valley Sustainability Council, because of Friends of the Yampa, because of many of the other organizations that are out there thinking about these things. If you if you think back in in history, we had rivers that caught on fire. We had really bad water quality in areas where there was development. Um, There have been tremendous advancements in the way that we look at these things over the past decades. We hope that we don't have very much raw sewage flowing into our rivers anymore. And so there's a lot to really um, hang our hat on and successes that advocates for rivers and advocates for uh, sustainable practices 
have done a great job and, and we've accomplished a lot of things in terms of regulation and technological advances. And I think we only have uh, further to go. So I'm optimistic that um, we're moving in the right direction, even though you know there's, there's different challenges every day that we become aware of and, and need, to, need to battle. I would say that um, my work that I'm doing currently has definitely inspired me. I think that the more people that I work with um, in the environmental field, I just see the passion that everyone brings to this work. Um, I think that it's kind of impossible to not be passionate about it um, when you're doing this work because we really see, we see these big challenges every day. And I think that it just inspires people to work really hard. And I think that everyone that's in this field is just deeply connected to these issues and wants to make positive change in our world. And so I think that it's just really inspiring for me. Um, and it motivates me to keep working in this field. And I think that the more that I work um, in the environmental realm, I see that there's solutions. And I think that that's the exciting thing for me is that we have these huge issues that we're currently facing and that um, we're going to face in the future as well too. And so we have the technology and we have the solutions and we have all these wonderful people that are working on this issue. And so I think that it's really inspiring and, um, and hopeful. And, and like Ben was saying, I, I feel optimistic about our future and what we're doing right now. So I'm inspired. That's awesome. Yeah, you guys definitely make me excited to get into my um, career in sustainability and see what kind of differences I can make as well. So we have been seeing record low water levels in Lake Mead and Pound, as well as decreasing flow in the Colorado River. What are some of the biggest contributing factors to this change, Ben? So about the water record levels or record water levels in, uh, in Lake Mead and, and Powell, um, it, it comes down to a math problem. You know, the water usage in the West was set based on two years of flow data. And those turned out to be um, relatively wet years, uh, historically speaking. So when you set water usage in the Western states based on two years of data that were wet years, and then you proceed to have a two decade long mega drought caused by various factors, including climate change, um, you end up with a deficit. And so the structure, the accounting structure of water use in the West is has some fundamental issues that need really big questions to be answered and people to make uh, concessions. And those are hard when politicians uh, have to be elected and water companies have to deliver uh, a volume of water to ranchers, farmers, towns, cities. Uh, and, and what it ultimately means is we all need to take a step back and say, do we want our rivers to be healthy and do we want our environment to be in a position where it's still strong? We need to hit reset on water use. Um, otherwise, we're going to continue to see these issues exacerbate because, frankly, for example, the state of Colorado hasn't even fully developed its water allotment per that uh, water compact. And if Colorado were to develop more water, um, that just increases the issue with that deficit. Um, so those are some of the maybe technical uh, aspects of why we're seeing Lake Mead and Lake Powell drop 
the way that they are. It's, it's simply a math problem and one where we're uh, kind of closing our eyes to the realities of that there's just not as much water in the rivers as we think that there is and that our systems are set up to, to provide. And I would just say um, there's definitely all of those fundamental issues that Ben just talked about, and that's a huge um, contributor to those low water um, levels that we're seeing. And I think that, you know, talking about that is really important that we have this structural deficit in our system right now. Um, and it was kind of set up in that way. And so it's really difficult to work from that. But we also have these anthropogenic changes that we're seeing that are driving like even further climate change. And so that's a whole nother aspect of this problem is that we're causing even further changes in this. And so, um, you know, all of these different issues like low soil moisture and we have a soil moisture deficit, which is essentially um, how much water is contained in our soils. And that really complicates things, especially in Colorado, because we mostly in the past were relying on our snowpack and a lot of people, you know, just directly correlated that to our stream flows. And that's just, it's not the case. We have a lot of other factors that are going into that equation and um, making it more difficult. And so I think that we're seeing more and more with um, research that's that's coming out right now, the impacts of our soil moisture deficits. And then of course, evaporation and all of these different things like temperature rise. And so all of those things are contributing to these low flows. And we're seeing more and more research coming out about that. And I think the other thing as well is that we need to realize that we're in a semi-arid climate here. And so we, we really, we just don't have as much water as we thought we did. And so going back to that deficit um, and figuring out how we can just use more water in general, the fact is we're not going to be able to probably develop more. Um, and we just need to start working on solutions to um, use water more efficiently, conserve water where we can. Um, and just try to overall decrease our, our demand on our water supply. Yeah, you guys touched on our water usage system is just based off of these two high water years when climate change and all of our anthropogenic factors are causing um, water to be less um, abundant here in the West. Are there any other ways that our current system of managing water use uh, contributes to or, or complicates the decreased water that we're seeing here? So I think that it's very difficult in the West because obviously we have all of these competing, um, competing uses for our water. And I think that it's difficult to manage water when there's scarcity, obviously. And so I think that, you know, we struggle because we have all of these different things that, you know, we need to supply water to our cities. Um, you know, we're not going to shut off water to our cities and municipalities. Um, you also want to keep water in the river. And so that, you know, we're making sure that um, that there's water in there for our native fish. And I think that all of these different competing um, uses for our water makes it difficult, unfortunately. And so I think that, you know, we really need to think about kind of what I was talking about earlier, like where can we be efficient? You know, we're not going to shut off water to a city. Um, can we be more efficient in our irrigation? Can we be more efficient in our water use in our cities um, with water conservation and things like that? Um, and then of course, 
better predicting um, the water supply that we're going to have into the future, I think would really help mitigate some of our issues that we have currently with our water, um, with our water management system. It's really difficult to manage water when you don't know year, year to year how much water you're going to have. So I think that that's a huge um, struggle in itself. And so by creating um, better man management systems, by um, increasing research and monitoring of our water supply in our basin, I think that that can really help us work towards more collaborative solutions to, to managing our water. If you are just tuning in, you are listening to the Andy Zanka Youth Empowerment Program on KDNK Community Radio. I'm Sierra. I'm Camden. And this is My Own Two Hands, a monthly collaboration with Colorado Mountain College's Sustainability Studies Program. We are talking with Madison Muxworthy and Ben Bell about some of the challenges with fresh water in Western Colorado, focusing on our Yampa Valley. Yeah, um, what do you think some of the biggest changes will be in the future um, to like our relationship with water as we start to decrease the amount of water we use and we start to look at it as more of a valuable resource uh, as it declines and our population grows. What do they say? Uh, whiskey's for drinking and water's for fighting. Um, you know, I think fortunately there haven't been a lot of fights over water, but I think as we near a breaking point, it will become more and more of a political hot button issue. And um, I, I worry about that. And I think that's why a lot of organizations are trying their best to have those collaborative frameworks to have those discussions so that it doesn't just become a legal battle in court um, that's resolved with some presidential order that um, may or may not be thought out um, fully because of uh, the, the, the loss of nuance in uh, thinking about perhaps the environment, because that has typically been the thing that has suffered when political battles uh, end up being um, waged. So uh, I guess that's the, the, the thing in the next 20 years that I uh, worry about. But, uh, you know, to end on a positive note, I'm optimistic because those collaborative frameworks are being put in place. And I, I think more and more um, people are realizing that we need to hit reset in some, some things, and that may occur. I also am really optimistic because we um, see urban centers as um, kind of a, a huge draw on rivers and, and they pull water out of uh, the river. Um, but I also recognize that those people love rivers too. And if we can tell the story of the river and that you know them watering their Kentucky bluegrass on the front range in Denver is having a detrimental impact to the health of a river that they hopefully come to, to see and recreate and enjoy, maybe they'll tear out that Kentucky bluegrass and not have it in their front yard. Um, and they'll go to the city park instead to roll around in the grass. Um, that would be my hope. And I think we can get there. If you could revise the water use laws we currently practice in the West, what would you change and why? That's a really big question, um, but a very important one. <laughs> I guess I would say that the water law that we have developed, um, honestly, is it's been sufficient. I wouldn't say that um, you know having having the um, 
the foresight that we have now, I think there's definitely things that we could do to improve our Colorado water law. Um, but we also, it, it has strengths. Um, you know, we were able to provide reservoir releases when we have low flows and it's critical for our endangered fish. And so we have these opportunities to be flexible within that law. Um, and so I would say that I think moving forward, we really just need to focus on collaboration and how can we work from this um, understanding that we have now that we just don't have the amount of water that we said on paper we do. Um, and so how can we work from that to be more collaborative and um, understand where we can be more efficient or use less? Yeah, I think being adaptive and I'm taking a systems thinking class, thinking about just constantly making improvements and taking um, the needs of stakeholders and into account and trying to make something that helps or like can apply to everyone at least. It's, it's a very challenging thing, but it's a really important effort we need to make. I just have one question to add. Our organization, the Andy Zanke Youth Empowerment Program works with kids ages eight to 18. So I'm curious, what can kids, specifically younger kids do to just get involved with solutions in the world of water? That's a great question. <laughs> um, I would say that anytime I, I interact with children, their imagination inspires me. And so I think that being inspired and sharing that inspiration with people in your community, your parents, um, other people that you go to school with is awesome. And I think that our younger generations are really driving change. And so that's amazing. And I would just encourage um, the younger generations to really keep, um, keep, keep moving forward and stay optimistic um, and definitely engage where you can. Um, there's a lot of issues that that need really um, bright people working on them so that we have a better um, future for those younger individuals in our world. So get engaged <laughs> however you see fit um, and uh, your work is valued and needed. So awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much to our guests, Madison Luxworthy and Ben Bell for joining us today. Thank you for tuning in to My Own Two Hands with the Andes Anka Youth Empowerment Program on KDNK. I'm Sierra. And I'm Camden. We really appreciate you listening to our show today. We hope you all enjoyed learning from these encouraging leaders of sustainability and water protection within our beloved Yamba Valley. Next time you are next to a local river or even turning on your tap, we hope that you consider the precious life-giving force water is for every living thing on earth. If you would like to learn more about the Yampa Valley Sustainability Council or friends at the Yampa, you can visit their websites at yvsc.org or friendsoftheyampa.com. To learn more about sustainability and hear from diverse voices of Colorado Mountain College's Sustainability Studies Program, tune in to the third Wednesday of every month from 4 to 4.30. Thank you so much for listening to the Andy Zanka Youth Empowerment Program on KDNK.